0: Do you remember Y2K? It stands for the year 2000. I was about 10 years old at the time, and I don't remember much about Y2K, but I do remember two things. One, I remember that there was uh, some concerns about computers, that all computers would kind of shut down and they would stop working at uh, you know, on January 1st, 2000, and part of that was uh, I did a little bit of research. Uh, computers at the time set the date as uh, uh, two-digit instead of four-digit, so instead of 1999, it just said 99, which meant that in the year 2000, it would go from uh, double nines to double zeros and they were worried computers were going to lose track of uh, what, what year it was that it would think that it kind of got reset or reboot and, and so there was a whole bunch of worry behind computers and banks and uh, anything and anyone that used any sort of computer was panicking. I remember that clearly but I also remember a second thing I remember uh, suddenly my aunt started storing non-perishable items and water at her house. I mean, every time she went to the store, she would buy more non-perishable items and more water. And uh, when you walked into her house to her left, there was a room and uh, the the room had, um, uh, she literally had it covered wall to wall, floor to ceiling with non-perishable items and and water. Uh, You know, there was spam and cereal and canned goods and just just so many non-perishable items. Well, I didn't know much about why at the time, but as I got older, I started asking questions. And and I learned that uh, part of, well, the reason that was, was because my aunt had heard at church that um, uh, there was a chance, a good chance, that on December 31st, 1999, uh, the world would end. That simple comment uh, got her to be really worried and, 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 and censured through a, a season of panic where she was uh, hoarding uh, non-perishable goods. Now, here's what I find ironic about that. My aunt was a staunch religious person. I mean, she was at church all the time. She was in a Bible study. She volunteered. She prayed all the time. She knew her Bible better than any of us. She had a deep relationship with God. She had been baptized. She had given to her life to Jesus. I mean, for her, her church was her life. Church was so important for her. Yet, I find it ironic That on December 31st, 1999, she prepared for the end of the world as if she would not be saved. She prepared for the end of the world as if the world would end and and she would be left to uh, figure things out on her own, as if she would not be saved. Do you ever wonder about or think about the word saved? Do, do you ever think about that and uh, uh, you know, wonder if maybe uh, you're not saved, if your sins have been too big to, for you to be saved? Do you ever think about uh, maybe what happens at the end of the world? Will, will you be saved? Will you not? I mean, there's all these thoughts that cross our minds when we think about the word saved. I want you to listen to this text. It comes from Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Here's what it says. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. Let me read that one more time. For If while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. Yeah, I find this text very interesting, and it's very important for us. See, Paul, the author of Romans, argues that uh, we have been reconciled by Jesus, right? Because of Jesus, we have been reconciled, which means we've been forgiven. Our relationship with God has been made right. And if God was willing to do that for us while we were his enemy, while we were sinners, well, now that we've been reconciled, surely we're going to be saved, In other words, what Paul is saying is, now that we've been reconciled, we can rest assured that we are also saved. This is powerful, and I don't want you to miss it. You are forgiven. And because you're forgiven, you are also saved. You see, one leads to the other. To be forgiven means to be saved. Forgiveness and salvation are experienced together. I want you to hear me say this, you are forgiven, you are also saved. So what does it mean to be saved? years ago, I was on a plane. I don't remember where I was going or if I was coming back to Louisiana. I just know that I was on this long flight and I needed to work on my sermon. And so I started, uh, I put my headphones on as I usually do on a plane. I took out my Bible, the same Bible that I just read from, and I started taking notes. I started reading and, and writing notes in a notebook and, and starting to prep for my sermon. And while I was doing that, I noticed that the guy sitting next to me started looking over my shoulders. He, he started trying to see what uh, I was reading in the Bible, trying to see what I was writing in the notes, just looking over my shoulder. And eventually, uh, he might have caught on that I was uh, being annoyed by him because he, he took his headphones off. He put them in his backpack. He took his Bible out, laid it in front of him, and he looked over at me and said, so are you a Christian? It kind of caught me off guard, but but we had a good conversation. Uh, You know, we talked about where he was from and where I was from, and he told me he used to work at a church, and I told him I was a pastor, and and we just had a, a, a good conversation. But out of nowhere, he looked at me and said, So when were you saved? I'm going to admit that it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And I looked at him and I said, well, I said, I don't really have one moment when I was saved. I said, for me, it's been a journey. You know, I told him about the time I was baptized and I told him about the time that I first started going to church. I told him about the first time I prayed. I told him about so many moments throughout my journey where I realized that I was saved, that I was forgiven, that God loves me. And and he looked at me and he's like, no 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 no. But when were you actually saved? We went back and forth for about twenty minutes, and eventually, I guess he really got annoyed because he just looked at me and said, "You don't understand what it means to be saved, do you?" I hope someday you figure it out. And he put his Bible away and put his headphones back on and ignored me the rest of the flight. You know, I, I think about that question you don't know what it means to be saved. It's a hard concept to understand. And, and to be honest, I, I don't even know if he knew what it meant to be saved. See, we tend to think about being saved as as two different spectrums. Uh, One of them, we we tend to believe, like that guy, that uh, to be saved means that uh, there was this moment in time when all of a sudden you knew your sins were forgiven, and and from that point forward, you had nothing to worry about. There's another spectrum, like my aunt, who would tell you that being saved uh, was about eternity, To be saved meant that you have a full assurance that you will be in heaven, that you will spend eternity with God. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, would look at those two spectrums and say, yes, and... (laughs) Yes, both of these are true, and then there's more. You see, for Wesley, uh, it's true that there was a moment that we would experience forgiveness, and that moment was important. Uh, That moment can happen at baptism. That moment can happen when we realize our need for God. We have a moment when we realize that God has indeed forgiven us, and that's a very important moment in our lives. And he would also agree that uh, when we talk about being saved, we're talking about eternity, right? We're talking about eternity with God. We're talking about heaven, heaven coming here on earth as it is in heaven. We, that eternity with God, both of these are correct. But John Wesley would take it a step further and he would say, uh, yes, it's about this one and it's about this one, but there's also a journey in the middle. See, John Wesley would argue that to be saved means that we are on a journey of, uh, towards holiness, a journey in which uh, we, we, God empowers us to overcome the power of sin in our lives. John Wesley would agree that there is that moment when we talk about being saved, that we're also talking about eternity But that we're also talking about the journey in between in which little by little, more and more every day, God empowers us. The deeper our relationship with God gets, the more we are empowered to overcome the power of sin in our lives. I want you to think about the sin in your life, the struggles in your life, the things that you hide from the rest of the world, the things that you do in hiding when you're by yourself at home or when nobody is watching I want you to think about those sins. Here's what God uh, tells us when we talk about being saved. We are forgiven from those sins. And eventually there will come a day when those sins will have no more power over us, right? That's heaven. That's eternity. But in between... We are on a journey through which the deeper our relationship with God is, the more you will overcome those sins in your life. The things that you hide from people, those things that seem to have so much power over you. We are on a journey through which at the end of it and every single day, you are able to overcome those sins more and more and more. See, when we talk about being uh, forgiven and saved, we talk about there's this moment when you are forgiven. We talk about the journey in between in which every day you are able to overcome sin more and more. And we talk about that eternal moment when sin will have no more power over you. It's all of these at the same time. So when we talk about are you saved, the question I'm asking you is, do you believe your sins have been forgiven? Are you on a journey in which today you are stronger over your sins than you were yesterday? And do you believe that there will come a day when sin will no longer have power over you? John Wesley said these words, and I want you to repeat them after me. Jesus has taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Jesus has taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Beloved, you are saved. You are saved in what that means. You've been forgiven. You're on a journey through which I know that the deeper your relationship with God gets, the more you will overcome the sin in your life. And we rest with the promise that there will be a day when this sin will have no more power over you. I pray you may live like it. I pray you may believe it. And let me tell you this. If you don't, if you're not there just yet, it's okay. Keep drawing closer to God. Join one of our small groups. Keep joining us for worship. Do acts of service. Read your Bible. Keep searching for God in everything you do. And I promise that in that process, I promise that you will come to know and understand wholeheartedly what it means to live saved. Will you join me in prayer? Oh God, you know our hearts completely. You know our every desire. You know that uh, we want to break the power that sin has over us. God, help us to see that you are offering us that power. You're offering us the ability to overcome sin in our lives every single day. And so we're not just forgiven from our past, but we're being offered today, here, now, in this life to overcome the sins of our lives. God, I pray all this in your most precious and most glorious name. Amen.